0: Welcome to The Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, Dewey Thompson, Ray Lyon, and Brianna Larimer share their decades of experience training in workplaces across the nation and talk to other experts about what it takes to be a team player, a great manager, and a leader others want to follow. This is The Weekly Workplace.
1: Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. You have the Missouri Training Institute team with you again today. Dewey Thompson, Ray Lyon, and myself, Brianna Larimer. And this conversation today is based on engagement in the workplace. And there was an interesting article that was posted. Um, Gallup posts these pretty regularly, but it, this one was specific to kind of the post-COVID workplace era. And guys, this article said, replacing workers requires one half to two times the employee's annual salary. So if an average salary is $50,000 and lost productivity is about 18%, disengagement costs $9,000 a year to keep each disengaged worker and between $25,000 and $100,000 to replace them.
2: That's incredible. Yes.
0: Expensive, isn't it? Oh,
2: my goodness. Yes. Costly,
0: costly, costly.
2: Yes. Disengagement costs money, costs more to keep a disengaged worker or replace a disengaged worker than it does to actually invest in getting employees engaged re-engaged or out
0: the door. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Or keeping them engaged. Right. Right. Right?
1: Absolutely. And I'm just curious. I mean, from your all's knowledge and your all's experiences in the different workplaces you've been to, um, how do, how do managers start to identify, I guess, the, the differences between they're engaged and their are disengaged?
0: Well, you know, um, Gallup does do a lot of uh, work in this particular arena. They do a lot of research and um, they they really identify three big main groups, don't they? They identify the engaged employees, right? These are the ones that are, you know, uh, really want to make a difference. These are the folks that find their jobs exciting and, and meaningful um, and Probably using their talents and using their unique strengths within their jobs. Then you have the disengaged employees. These are the folks that, quite frankly, just really probably don't care. Um, they're probably going through their day kind of mindlessly. Um, they may contribute a little bit, but, you know, they're 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 not going to go above and beyond and, and really do anything. And, you know, they're just disengaged from it. They probably don't find a lot of meaning in it. And then you have those actively disengaged folks. And these folks can even sometimes sabotage, mm-hmm. you know, the organization or sabotage a team because they're just so unhappy um, within their jobs.
2: Well, I think when we look at disengaged workers versus engaged workers. I really want to say that right now we have about half of our population that are employed are disengaged or actively disengaged. And those people are just what Dewey said. They're the people that are phoning it in. They're doing just enough not to get fired. Mm -hmm. Right. But there's no active participation in their job. Right. They're not the ones that are going to um, volunteer for anything. They're not the ones that are going to walk by that, you know, paper that's sitting on the floor and. Reach down and pick it up, right? Right? They're they're just going to continue to walk over it. Um, they're not the ones that are contributing any discretionary effort to the job that they're doing. Uh, whereas uh, an engaged employee is. So I think one of the things you'll see between engaged and disengaged will be that level of discretionary effort mm-hmm. that somebody is giving to the workplace. Um, you know, the the worst type of employee is the one that quits and stays, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? I I mean, definitely,
1: right? Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And
1: they certainly not only make it difficult for the managers, but make it difficult for their colleagues as well.
0: Right, yeah, and you know, you asked the question, you know, how do you identify these folks? And I think, you know, as leaders it's about coaching right you're having conversations with them you know what's motivating them you uh, or what's not motivating them um you can tell through their behavior choices you can tell through their performance whether or not are they doing just the bare minimum to get by as ray mentioned or are they actively um, seeking new opportunities in their jobs are they actively contributing um you know those kinds of things so it's probably pretty easy to spot the differences between somebody who's engaged and who isn't necessarily engaged in their jobs um, but again as as a leader it's it's your responsibility right you're you're the coach mm-hmm. um and and um, you know let's face it we all kind of have bad days once in a while but we're talking about people who um, continuously show the same kind of behaviors And I don't know about you, but I find that people are very habitual in the job. Um, They kind of come in and with the same uh, behaviors over and over and over and over again. Um, So you can tell, I think, you know, who's engaged in the jobs and and who isn't. Right.
2: Thinking about people's willingness to do the job um, and people's ability Mm -hmm. to do the job. So if you're finding that people aren't able to do the job, that's an easy fix.
0: Oh, yeah, that's that's training development, right? Right. That's about getting them
2: the skills they need. Right. And a lot of times when people um, are suffering from an inability to do the job and you as a coach aren't there to help them learn their job and become successful in their ability to do their job, then they become unwilling to do their job. So their attitude suffers and they can disengage at that point. So they don't know how to do their job and we overlook them as managers or, you know, just think that, well, they'll just go ahead and pick it up. They'll spend time learning it themselves. And if we don't don't help them as coaches learn to be able to do their job then their attitude will suffer and they will disengage at that point so it's it becomes our responsibility as managers to help them learn their jobs if they know how to do their job and they just aren't willing to do their job you know then they can obviously that's a sign of disengagement that's a little bit tougher crowd, mm-hmm. right? That they're able to do their job, they just don't want to do their job. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you got to have a good discussion about, you know, where where'd that love and feeling go, right? <laughs> why why have we lost that? And you know, have a heart to heart coaching conversation about what's going on, you know, and and that's assuming, let, you know, let's back up here. That's assuming that they did used to be, uh, you know, in love with their job, you know, what's happened Mm -hmm. and just having a real honest, candid conversation about what's happened and what's going on. You know, you bring up a good point. And I think, as we we mentioned
1: at the the top, you know, this, this article really focused on post COVID workplaces as we're all, you know, coming back to the workplace and, and what to expect. Um, do you feel like there's a sense of more disengagement now than there used to be?
2: Yes,
0: I would agree with that statement, too. I, I think that there are, um, you know, the whole world of work has changed. Mm-hmm. Many people have been working from home. That can be very, very stressful uh, working from home when you got little kids, perhaps, you know, interrupting you throughout the day. Um You know, and we've had to relearn um, how to engage with people, our coworkers, our colleagues, uh, through a virtual kind of world. And so it, it, I think it has added a lot of stress. I think it's added a lot of, um, um, just a sense of uncertainty, maybe Mm -hmm. perhaps out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you see, uh, you know, people being laid off as a result of, you know, um, businesses closing and that kind of stuff, again, that's very, very stressful as well.
2: However, in, in thinking about that, One of the things that we thought in this work from home um, environment that many, I mean, many of us that weren't in uh, um, crucial um, service industries, we thought productivity would also suffer. Mm -hmm. However, we know productivity didn't suffer. And I thought that was interesting Mm -hmm. um, that came out of of Gallup surveys. Productivity from work from home environments actually did not suffer. However, you are correct Dewey, well-being did suffer. Mm -hmm. And so I think now um, Mm re-engaging our workforce is extremely important. I mean, it's of the highest priority. And so there's a lot of relationship building that we need Mm -hmm. to emphasize. Um, We need to be empathetic as leaders in taking care of that person. It's more expensive to replace and retrain a new workforce than it is to invest in the current workforce that we have and either re-engage those disengaged or those actively disengaged, um, or even to... Keep up with those that are engaged and invest in them as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Gallup's um, survey is telling us, Mm -hmm. you know, invest in the people that you have. I've heard now, obviously, people are viewing their jobs a little differently post-COVID.
1: I'm hearing that maybe we're not paying enough attention as managers to the well-being of the individual. Obviously, we want people thriving um, as a whole person, not necessarily just in the
2: workplace. What are some other reasons that people are, are disengaged at work? You know what? I? And I've been getting calls like this from um, clients that they've had to promote people who weren't necessarily ready to be promoted for many reasons. One, Some people just went ahead and quit. It became too stressful or a lot of people were looking to finally, you know, make their mark on the world and start their own companies. We saw a lot of kind of this movement, this mass exodus in jobs to kind of reinvent themselves. So we did see a lot of people leaving current jobs to go and start new jobs, which meant in workplaces, we had a lot of frontline people get promoted, and maybe they weren't quite ready to be promoted. So now they're into positions, maybe they're off the frontline, maybe they're out of the field, and they're into the office, so to speak. um, And they're not quite ready for those positions. So they're struggling. So go back to what I was mentioning, where they don't know how to do the job they've just been promoted into. So they're starting to check out now, um, because we're far enough away from, that promotion that they're struggling, and maybe their leadership doesn't know how to help them do that. Um, so we're seeing that where people have been promoted into positions who aren't necessarily ready to be there and don't know how to do it.
0: You know, that's that's a real interesting thing. Um, you see that a lot when. Uh, people are really good at the at that frontline job, right? They're really good. They have the technical expertise to do the job well and probably have been doing it very well. And then, uh, you know, sometimes leaders will think, oh, because they were so good at those technical expertise that they'll be great um, supervising others. Well, that's a whole different ballgame, right? Different skill sets are involved. Now it's not about becoming technically competent. Now it's really more about your leadership skills, your interpersonal skills when you move into the IT supervision and management. Um, so, Ray, I think you're absolutely right about that.
2: I was hired as an executive coach. Uh, and, and you'll remember it. this was um, during COVID. And this gentleman reached out and, um, you know, we connected one on one. We were going to do this coaching and in going through um, our our conversations together. And this was all via Zoom and um, and finally i asked him he had been moved into the supervisory position and it was a very difficult position we did not only the the clifton strengths but we also did the eqi 2.0 so that's an emotional intelligence assessment and what i learned from him was he basically didn't like people <laughs> And, uh, (laughs) you know, when you're supervising others, that's a pretty important, um, you know, thing to have is, you know, liking people Mm -hmm. um, because you're there to get work done through them. And I finally asked him and we weren't too far into our relationship, but I finally asked him, I said, "Um, you know, did you apply for this job? And he said, nope. Hmm. He said they Asked me to take it because they needed somebody in this job, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and I bet he was probably good at what he was doing, right?
2: Absolutely. And
0: and now he's in charge of people. Yeah, he's in charge of people. Then he doesn't like them.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then you know, come to find out, um, this was part of his I. DP, meaning his individual development plan. Um, This was either do this with a coach or you'll Mm. be fired. I mean, he was on written notice. Oh, my goodness. um, And he absolutely hated this job now. And so, you know. Yeah, there's going to be like a project your boss puts you on and you're like, like when our former director put me in charge of this website SEO stuff, my brain is not wired for website stuff. You know that, (laughs) Um, you know, I was just like, yeah, what are you doing to me? You know, Um, but he was given an entire new job title. Mm -hmm. That was not meant for him. He's no longer with the company. I said, yeah, then getting in trouble for it, you know, like that, that's, he was like, I didn't even apply for this. I don't want it. It's not anywhere close to what I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so really being mindful of that. And, and to me who failed, not him. His leadership failed. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so when we talk about just exactly what we're talking about, Dewey's right. You know, maybe it was a project that wasn't meant for it. And sometimes you just got to muddle through it. And, you know, our director got exactly what I could give him, you know, which (laughs) wasn't that much. But wow, that leadership really failed him, Mm -hmm. really failed him. Yeah. There's always going to be those
1: certain aspects, you know, and, and I know my husband and I talk about this all the time. Not every job is going to be perfect, right? Not every job is going to be perfect. Even if you have your own business or your own entrepreneurial oh, sure. adventure, it's not going to be perfect. But for the most part, I think that we have to be able to find the things that we enjoy. And when the things that we don't enjoy are outnumbering the things that we're enjoying in our job, then maybe it's time to have that yeah. conversation.
2: Yeah. But man, you know, thinking about what it takes to Mm re-engage those disengaged. I think that's very important, not only to have what Dewey's talking about and what you're talking about, those alignment conversations, but have a stay conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you are talking to a a recently disengaged employee, what's it going to take to re-engage you? What's it going to take... To uh, if you're having that conversation with a currently engaged, but you want to keep them engaged, what's it going to take to keep you engaged? Like have a stay conversation. What would make you leave? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I know I've had that with with Rihanna. I mean, we've had what. What would have to happen here at Missouri Training Institute that would cause you to leave? Right. (laughs) You know, what would it take to keep you here? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so have those kinds of conversations and be intentional and, you know, make sure that those things don't happen. Right. right, That would take you away from us or take them away from the organization um, and that. To keep your engaged and engaged, those things need to happen.
0: And and I think while you have those conversations, part of those um, conversations need to be focused on the idea of meaningfulness. You know, um, you know, what is it that you get a kick out of? You know, what, how do you serve? You know, what is it that 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 really brings a sense of meaningfulness? That hey, I was able to really help achieve this or look at this, uh, what we were able to do. Um, And oftentimes, that's not just about a sense of satisfaction that I get for myself, but about serving others, you know, uh, can sometimes be uh, a very meaningful thing. So I think those stay conversations need to be kind of focused a little bit on what brings you meaning uh, in your job.
1: Yeah. And I also, I appreciate the fact, and Ray, you you did mention that, yes, we've had these conversations, um, but they're, they're regular. It's not like we only have them at my annual (laughs) eval. (laughs) No, no. Oh God. I've had that before. (laughs) So no, um, you're right. They have to be more than just that one time a year for the annual eval. The conversation should be taking place on a consistent basis. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Frequently. Right. Yeah. And coaching should be frequent. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Frequent and future focused. Yeah. I think sometimes it gets misconstrued. People come back to the office and it's like, I've heard this from some of my friends who are in leadership positions. Man, it just seems like they don't want to work anymore. Like, you know, and what it came down to is I said, well, have you sat down with them and set the new realm of expectations? You know, think about it. Think about how much we got turned upside down. And and now they need to re-navigate and they're going to need your help doing it. So one of the, the, for me especially, one of the biggest disengagement uh, pieces for me is not knowing what you expect and then having to kind of jump through hoops and figure it out. Um, so setting expectations and then, like you said, having those consistent um, conversations. Yeah. It's a good re-engagement technique. I mean, you're,
2: the walls of your office might look the same, but that's it. Right. There's Nobody's going back nobody's going back no there's nothing that's going to be the same everything's different and and just and that's okay right but you gotta you gotta start there Mm -hmm. um and i'll tell you another question i get when we think about engagement and a lot of places well you know i can't i can't pay you know everybody wants more money more money and i'm like you know what that's fine but i know Plenty of disengaged people that are paid well.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: It it really isn't about the money.
0: No, and that's interesting. There's been um, studies done on this, and tons of them. Tons <laughs> of them, and um, pay usually ranks about the what the fifth to seventh oh, thing down yeah. the list. Um, you know, and one of the things that I think really uh, usually tops the list is people work for managers who care, mm-hmm. managers who care about me, and they. Demonstrate that um, they care about my development. They care about you know my motivation, um, and that will help engage folks. You know, just a manager who cares.
2: Yeah, people don't quit jobs. That's people right. quit people. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely correct. People quit people. It takes about twenty percent more pay for an engaged employee to walk away. Mm-hmm. If you want to quote statistics.
1: My theory on this is when you sit down with an employee sometimes and, and you ask them, you know, what maybe the state conversation is, what would it take to get you to stay? And they say more pay. I I don't I would probably stretch that yeah. uh, with them because maybe that's the easiest thing for them to think of. Right. And they think that that is what would keep them. So sometimes and I think a good leader here will really start identifying some almost innovative ways, you know, to tap into what those talents and strengths are that they have. And that will create, a, I think, a greater sense of engagement and meaningfulness for that employee than just the pay themselves. But that's easy for everyone to say, oh, I just want more pay.
2: Yeah. Dig so, a little deeper. Right. I mean, ask more questions because that's not it. Truly, that's right. not it.
1: So as we start wrapping up this idea of of disengagement and engagement in the workplace, I guess any final thoughts, any other tips that you would give our listeners?
0: If you're a leader, make sure you demonstrate that you care about your employees. Um, make sure that you're having those conversations with them on a very frequent basis. Um, you know, find out what motivates them. Um, may, use that information, you know, as you're thinking about assigning work and creating those expectations that you, that you talked about. Those would be my top ones, right? How about you? I
2: would definitely say that. I mean, engaged employees want managers who are engaged. So if you are an engaged manager, you are more likely to have engaged employees and managers are the key. I think
1: they're absolutely the key. I'll also, I'll, I'll throw in the idea too, that it's, it, the onus is also on us as individual employees sometimes as well. Like start trying to recognize when you're hitting those marks where you just know you can't get motivated day in and day out. What's going on? You know, so you almost have to have a little bit of self awareness to, to know when something is changing within you and within that role that you play. Uh, And so I think that they said, yes, managers are critical in creating kind of the scaffolding of engagement within the workplace. But at the same time, we have to have some individual onus as well. All right. So with that, thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace. I will go ahead and post that article that we referenced at the beginning of the show uh, with this episode in the episode description. So if you want to take a look at that, it's a great article. And go be great.
0: Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Train. Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu.